people, I'm still Dave Rubin. This is still the Rubin Report and welcome to another Friday Roundtable Extravaganza. We're gonna dive right into it. Joining me today is an author, a mathematician, a guy who's recently back on the Twitter machine and a professional troublemaker, James Lindsay, and the editor-in-chief of The Post Millennial. And now, I think as of like today, the new editor-in-chief of Human Events as well, Libby Emmons. James, Libby, welcome to the Rubin Report. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Before we get to anything, guys, I wanna make note because I know the people on the internet, they're very critical. They stare at every little thing on the computer screen and they may be noting that my left eye is a little swollen right now. Uh, Justin, my oldest, he scratched me yesterday in the eye. I was kind of rubbing it all night and it's a little swollen. Don't worry, I'm not being, it's not elder abuse or anything like that, but I am using a child's (laughs) teething toy to, uh, you know, as, as a little comfort. Uh, in between segments. So there you go, but you people have nothing to worry about. Uh, I'm doing just fine. All right, let's get right to it. We're doing like a recap of the week and some of the some of the wacky stories that we actually couldn't get to uh, through uh, Monday through Thursday. So here we go. First off, Greta Thunberg. Everyone loves her. The climate, well, I wasn't, I almost said the climate C word, but no, no, no. She's, look, she's a chick. She's, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to adopt that. From yeah, the cli- I know that's actually, I feel like that's like right Broken. out of Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. Yeah. Greta Thunberg, Mrs. Green Energy, you know, who fakes these arrests every now and again while she was detained once again, this time in Oslo, Norway for protesting a wind farm, which I thought they were for wind farms. It's all very confusing. Take a look. It all feels very staged. Uh, James, I don't know if you saw the one a couple weeks ago where they full on staged it, where she was literally taking selfies with the police officers uh, as they were arresting her. It's like, is anything about any of this climate stuff real or is this just all absolute theater and basically 90% of the world is falling for it? I think it's probably almost all theater. Uh, The world is being run into the ground by theater kids kind of all over the place. (laughs) It very much feels that way. Uh, What what people have got to understand, though, is this is a tactic. They understand what they're doing. There's a book that the the left Mm -hmm. wrote. It's an update for rules for radicals, which a lot of people have heard of. Saul Alinsky's famous uh, handbook for radicals. And it's called Beautiful Trouble. And in Beautiful Trouble, one of the core principles of activism today is uh, that uh, that that you are to frame out that you're this kind of victim at all times. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they stage these situations. Maybe she really gets arrested. Maybe it's fake. But the point is that the Antifa does this all the time. They get it so that what's shown on camera looks very dramatic. Police carrying her out. She's a, she's a slumpy sack of potatoes. It's so dramatic. She's standing up for her principles so well. And what they do is they as we saw with the previous episode, they cut off the front, they cut off the back, they make it look like it's this dramatic scene when in fact it's fake or it's banal or how boring are these things at this point. But it's a tactic to drum up uh, the idea that there are highly committed people rather than cynical operators doing these kinds of things and pushing for this agenda. 
Libby, the performative part of this, I'm, I'm really fascinated by what James said because yesterday we played a clip of Randy Weingarten, who's the teachers union president, and she was outside the Capitol, or outside the Supreme Court actually, screaming about the potential decision uh, related to student debt relief. And, and it was theater to me, as James described, theater kids. It was just this emotive lunacy having nothing to do with what the laws are or what it says in the Constitution related to student debt, which it says nothing, uh, and that thing, but it still gets people. It still gets mm -hmm. people, right? Yeah, it sure does. I do agree with James about Greta Thunberg. She probably should have finished her education at some point instead of going on about all of this nonsense. And with Randy Weingarten, she just doesn't want the educational system that she is essentially running in so many ways to be held accountable for a mm -hmm. bunch of kids who grow up and don't know anything and then take really stupid courses of studies at universities, come out of school, can't get a job in their field, can't pay their student loans back you know, because uh, they've undertaken this garbage plan of action. Um, so yeah, she wants to see all those student loans forgiven so that people don't have to turn around and be mad at her for having provided them with not an education at all. So with the climate thing in mind, take a look at this video from CNBC. Uh, this is Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon responding to a question related to ESG. But this is Vanguard's uh, CEO, just wrote this recently, said we cannot state that ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing, is better performance-wise than broad index investing. Our research indicates that ESG investing does not have any advantage over broad-based investing. What do you think of that as somebody who I think has advocated uh, for the ideas around ESG? Well, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for climate transition, but it's just that. It's a transition that's going to go on over a long period of time. I think one of the things we do as an asset manager is we meet the needs of capital allocators. And capital allocators are interested in allocating right. some capital, not all of their capital, some capital, towards technologies, towards opportunities that are driving the transition, that are right. making the world more sustainable you know, for all of us. And so I think it's important for us as an asset manager to participate in that. But what, what do you make of the political blowback? And how has that impacted your thinking about all of this? I, I, the, the political blowback really hasn't affected my thinking that meaningfully. I've always been of the belief that it's important for us to try to be constructive and allocating risk capital and driving risk capital toward technologies that can accelerate the transition. But it's a transition. It's going to take decades. James, I feel like you're gonna have a field day with this one. So the questioner, the interviewer is Andrew Sorkin. I actually think he did a pretty decent job there. In essence, he's saying, hey, these ESG funds don't really do much of anything. And immediately the Goldman Sachs CEO starts talking about climate transition, but I don't know that the average person who invests in a fund that Goldman Sachs is managing is really thinking, oh, what can I do for the environment? They generally wanna make a couple bucks on their investment. Take it away. Oh my God, I could talk about this for the entire show. Um, can, you give, can you give the people the simplest, I know my audience knows it, but can you give them the simplest uh, explanation of ESG first before we uh, go any further? Yeah, so ESG, it stands for E is environmental, S is social, and G is governance. It's, it's a measuring stick that they're using to judge corporations and institutions about how compliant they are with whatever they, whether it's at the United Nations where ESG was created in 2003, whether it's at Davos, whatever these, you know, grand poobahs and, and oligarchs decide are acceptable environmental, social, and governing policies for corporations and institutions, uh, they, they, they score 
institutions on how well they comply with those particular mandates. So it's a tool of control. It's actually mm -hmm. a social credit system for corporations and large institutions. So that's what ESG is. It hides itself under the, the fake idea that um, certainly good environmental policy, social policy, and um, go corporate governance could lead to lo better long-term investment portfolios if they were done maybe in a realistic way as opposed to under the dictates of Al Gore or Klaus Schwab or something like this. But what the guy said is is actually amazing. What he said is so shocking. So mm -hmm. we see now that ESG is failing. There's a gigantic crusade against ESG, which I'm happy to take a sh fair share of the credit for starting. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, this fella is like, I don't care about the blowback. I care about a transition, a complete transition of our system and a climate transition, he calls it. But this is a transition to climate communism. It's a transition to more control, centralized control, more what they call global cooperation toward their central control, meaning everybody has to do it or else there will be sanctions, there will be fines, there will be, I don't know, maybe they'll just destroy our infrastructure or something until we comply. There'll be another pandemic. Who knows? There's going to be all these kinds of things that we have to do to make sure that everybody complies so that we can transition to a new sustainable economy, as they describe it. In fact, the ESG tool is used to prop up the United Nations Agenda 2030 mm -hmm. Sustainable Development Goals. He calls it a transition. They call those 17 goals to transform our world. And that's the same transition transform. It's the same program. But the goal is to shift onto a model they call stakeholder capitalism, what they yep. call a circular economy where we consume our own waste and which sounds delicious and very much like a snake eating its own tail, but in the <laughs> grossest possible way. And this is their objective to make what if you look back through the, the Marxist literature in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they were writing that the problem with capitalism isn't that it immiserates workers like they like Marx had said, it's that it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So we have to make capitalism sustainable in some way while simultaneously making socialism productive. And what we're dealing with under ESG and the sustainable development goals is the bid to do this at global scale and to force all of us into it, eating bugs and living in pods and 15 minute cities and all of this nonsense. Libby, is this just one of the things that it's like sort of not sexy enough for the average person to understand? So they might have some money in a Goldman Sachs fund or in something that's ancillarily related. And they may not even realize that actually the companies are not going to do the best thing to say, get a return on your investment, but rather climate transition and everything else that James just described. Yeah, I do think that is an issue. And I think that your average consumer of financial products is not looking to save the world by investing. They're just looking to have something in their retirement so that perhaps they don't have to lean on their kids or the government as they age. And the other thing too about this, um, and consumers are not, I think, at, at their base looking for all of this nonsense. But um, the other piece of it is that all of these DEI initiatives and climate initiatives that are being pushed through with ESG don't actually do what they purport to do, right? So when you say like, we're investing in wind, we're investing in solar, we're investing in all of these things, they're only looking at the final product and mm -hmm. what that means for the consumption of fossil fuels at the, like the consumer level. They're not looking at the manufacturing processes of solar panels, for example, or lithium batteries or superconductors or the kind of um, cells that are needed to store this kind of energy and what that takes. 
So they're only looking at these very limited areas and it's the limited areas that can make these people feel good about themselves because they're not seeing the detrimental impacts. But at the same time, the rest of the world is seeing these detrimental mm -hmm. impacts. We're seeing issues, environmental issues created with wind farms off the coasts, um, you know, the whales dying, all of this kind of stuff. So the, um, the goals are not even being, the stated goals are not even being met by this nonsense. And it is going to damage people's investments. If you're a consumer of financial products and you're looking to do something activist in the world, don't do it with your money. Do it with your own self. Go out there and, you know, pick up some trash by the riverbed whoa. or what have you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're asking young people <laughs> to actually do something, not just actually say they're do doing something. something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, radical. That is my take. Yeah, true radical. radical. Uh, but speaking of stated goals that are not really doing what they're supposed to be doing, I remember a feminist movement a long time ago that was about equality. Women wanted equality in the workplace and everywhere else. Uh, but unfortunately, that has very little to do with the, the modern feminist movement. And as you guys know, it's very important. March, we just got out of Black History Month was February and I celebrate it every day. This is uh, women's, what is it? Women's History Month, are we calling it? Are we calling it International Women's Month? And Hershey, which I thought their whole thing was about making good chocolate, they put out this incredible ad to celebrate the moment. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. Libby will do women first. Um, she's a dude, man, chick. Yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> she's a man, baby, for real, yeah. So Canada is totally off the rails. It's not even a real country. It's a totally fake place at this point. You know, the people right. Oh, wait, just to be clear, this came from Canada's Hershey yeah, subsidiary or whatever. You can yeah, tell yeah. because it has a two at the beginning of the LGBT <laughs> alphabet soup. And the two is for two spirit, um, which I don't know how it's not cultural appropriation to put that in your very Western weird thing, but what have you, Justin Trudeau knows, and we all just have to count on that. Yeah, I'm personally very sick and tired of men standing up there with long hair and makeup on and telling me they know better than anyone else and any woman what it is to be a woman. I'm sick of empowering a whole bunch of essentially straight white men to uh, get up there and tell us that they're women uh, while they claim to be lesbians and demand access to all sorts of women's spaces. The whole thing is so marvelously insane that uh, I think a lot of people, when they first started seeing this coming around the bend, just thought, that's so obviously stupid. That can't be the way that we're going with these kinds of things. And now it is. Now here <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, but we yeah. can. James, here can you is. please put this chick in her place as a woman yourself? <laughs> Yeah, you gotta like settle down here for this month, Libby. Um, like just, yeah, just hold up. Uh, well, what I see is a chocolate bar that's got nuts in it that's not being advertised as having nuts in it. But uh, maybe people have peanut hey, allergies. You never know. I got but, it. I got it. Yeah, right. Um, so, I mean, that dude has a vocal fry down. I wish I could do that. Uh, that's a woman thing. If we can celebrate in, in Woman Month, is vocal fry, septum piercing. No, but what we see is the complete inversion of reality. What we see is another opportunity, as as you saw, to talk about reality in upside down world. This is mm -hmm. your authentic self. She called or he called it called itself. 
authentic self, literally pretending to be what you're not, literally demanding people celebrate and affirm you for what you're not. And that's actually the magic formula. It starts off with, we should tolerate this. It progresses to, we have to accept this. It goes beyond that. And we have to now celebrate it. And then at some point we have to participate in it to some mm -hmm. degree. We have to participate in the lie. We have to participate in the delusion. If you don't want to eat the the nuts, no nuts chocolate bar, you're probably a bigot. If you don't want this man in a woman's space, you're definitely a bigot. If you aren't interested in his uh, lady thing, you are, as, as a woman, you are definitely transphobic and you make all of your sexual decisions and personal decisions in your life based on genitals and how disgusting and crass you are. Of course, what we see throughout is just projection, total projection mm -hmm. uh, of, of severe pathology that is being encouraged and affirmed, especially in children, um, rather than dealt with, treated, tamped down. The, the role of our institutions, especially our schools, for example, children will see commercials like this. They may have questions. They should go to the school. The officials in the school should be bringing them back to reality, not mm -hmm. encouraging them into the delusion. There is no other dysphoric, if we want to use that word, condition that we encourage that we we push people kids further into we don't say oh my gosh you're so anorexic let's uh get you liposuction and do a, a gastric bypass on you to help you out we don't do that anywhere else we say we have to bring you back to reality we have to help you in other ways it's a catastrophe and and what's interesting also is that to link it to the esg part of this it's like hershey could have done an ad for international women's month and just shown women eating chocolate and no one would have cared or maybe people would have watched it or not watched it. So it's almost like this clearly is by design, either because of the ideology that you're describing or just because they want to get the clicks and views. And in this case, they're doing it. I don't know if you guys know, I live in the free state of Florida. I've mentioned it once or twice on the show. And uh, we're doing something about this nonsense when it comes to our schools and our corporations. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. And you got a lot of corporations, too. They're getting involved in the race game. We know they're already getting involved in the transgender game. You had a little tussle with Disney. Is corporate America on notice with Ron DeSantis as you get a little bit of a bigger profile? So my view is, is I got to protect the people of Florida, their freedoms. And if woke corporations are threatening their freedoms, then I have to contend with that and I have to stand up for them. So, for example, we passed the Stop Woke Act in Florida that, yes, banned CRT in the K through 12 schools, but it also gave employees of private corporations the ability to opt out of this CRT training where they're basically made to self-flagellate uh, based on their race. We don't think that that's appropriate. So, yes, we're willing to step up and support people's freedoms. At the end of the day, you have a right to make your own decisions, live freely, without having the left's agenda crammed down your throat. And whether that's in a school or whether that's be, uh, at the hands of a multinational corporation, we're on your side, not on theirs. Libby, isn't this just what we've all been waiting for for a long time? Like a politician to just calmly, cleanly say the truth and help us uh, get out of this endless bottomless pit that they've thrown us into? Yeah, I do think that that's right. And it's interesting that DeSantis takes this perspective. And then from the federal government, you have these endless pushes of diversity, equity, and inclusion executive orders. Uh, the president yep. just wants to rule by fiat from the Oval Office. And he's instructing every single federal agency to um, enact 
additional staff and bring in all of these extra people to make sure that the agencies are being compliant with all of these uh, advancing equity goals. No one really knows what advancing equity means except for destroying a meritocracy yep. and reducing all of our government agencies and programs to race-based initiatives that are not fair, that are not um, at all egalitarian. And yeah, I think that across the country, people appreciate what DeSantis is doing. We saw that with the um, parental rights and education bill, which was marvelously popular across the country, mm -hmm. no matter how much the progressive left tried to slam it as don't say gay, which a simple read of, I think was a three page bill will show you that it has nothing to do with that at all. The um, word so, gay yeah. is not in the bill. In the I bill. was with the governor and the first lady three days ago showing them pictures of my kids. This thing is so right. stupid. Uh, James, did you see, I feel like you must've tweeted about this and maybe I missed it because Twitter is still so screwy. This guy, Sam, I think it's Sam Brighton, who was the like assistant Brinton. secretary to nuclear waste, something or other. I don't <laughs> yeah. think he, I don't think he considers himself trans, but I guess he dresses often like a woman. He's non-binary. He, oh, he's, he okay, so he's non-binary. But it turns out that this guy has been stealing luggage for years from airports, you know, when you go downstairs to get your luggage after the flight. And it now has turned out that in 2018, he stole a bag of luggage from a black woman and has been wearing her dresses and posting a pictures all designer. over. Yeah, a fashion designer. Nobody, so you have a man dressing like a woman, stealing a, and he's white, stealing a black woman's dresses, wearing them. And of course he's progressive. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? I don't well, even have a question on that. You want to just do something over yeah, there? Give I'll, me just, something. I'll just riff a little. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it actually ties back to the previous segment. It ties back to this ESG issue, ties back to even what DeSantis said, because DeSantis is trying to protect people from workplace. He said self-flagellations. These are actually brainwashing sessions. These are Maoist brainwashing sessions. That's easy to prove once you study Mao, which they don't let us do in our redwashed education uh, that we have. They say whitewashed. It's actually redwashed. It's completely mm. communist. Uh, sympathizing. But what you have in International Women's Month or whatever, whatever Women's History Month, whatever March now is uh, for the first time in history is, and I've saw that I saw this coming about a month or two ago. And, and this this character is a perfect example of it. So is the Hershey person. What we have is this push towards something they're calling women plus, which I think mm -hmm. is women plus a hot dog, but I'm not quite positive <laughs> what the plus is. Um, it's women plus, girls plus, and in fact, what they're saying is that this new feminist push that they're bringing out to revitalize another turn of the, the identity politics screw on America is going to be LGBTQ plus inclusive. So it's not even Women's Month anymore. It's this deliberate push into this. So we have to celebrate this guy who's stealing an immigrant black woman's high fashion design dresses. We have to celebrate that because even though it's non-binary or whatever, whatever this Sam character wants to be, this is women plus. And what people have to understand is they're going to try to suck you in by saying, no, if you, if you don't support women in international women's month, you're some kind of a terrible person. But by the way, what is a woman? Well, we know what a woman is and it's women plus, and we're gonna show you women plus, uh, and we're just gonna keep doing this women plus. And so what you're getting is a bunch of, frankly, what it's gonna be is a big leverage campaign, primarily on corporations, which will fall for it because they're completely lost in ESG, and in, in white 
suburban liberal wine moms to accept that the definition of woman has expanded to woman plus and trans women are women plus is going to be a completely true statement because women plus will be defined to accept them. And the, the, the goal will be to get people in institutional positions to accept women plus and these trainings at work will be geared toward getting women to accept and men to accept that women plus is the correct way to understand women under this new push, under this new fake month that they've created out of thin air and decided we all have to participate in. James, as well said as that was, you could have just said she doesn't look great in an off the shoulder number or he or whatever it is. But but to prove how- That's ridiculous, true. I think that's what it was really all boiling down to. But to show you how stupid this whole thing is, uh, we played it a couple of times during the campaign when Joe Biden repeatedly said, but there's one moment where he really drove it home, repeatedly said that it should not be the sex on your birth certificate that sends you to a male or female prison. It should be what sex you identify as. Now we know that biological men are going to women's prisons and raping and beating women. Apparently this is the feminist position now. Uh, Merrick Garland was asked about just that. When it comes to federal prisons, are you aware that 1,200 prisoners are requesting to be sent from a male prison to a female prison? Uh, I'm not, no. Okay. Uh, what is our policy when it comes to allowing a male prisoner to be transitioned into a female prison? I think if you're generally asking the question of how um, uh, trans people are dealt with in the Bureau of Prisons, my understanding um, is that these are uh, determinations about um, uh, where they're placed or where people are placed in general have to do with individualized determinations regarding the security of that individual um, and the management of the prison. These are done on a case-by-case -case basis. That's my understanding. Are you aware of any policy guidelines that they use to make that determination? I think there is a policy guideline along the lines that I just said that, that they I are. Would, I would like for the Bureau of Prisons to send it to us. Are you concerned that if a biological male is sent to a female prison, that could be a risk to female prisoners? I think every uh, uh, person in prison has to be dealt with, uh, with dignity and respect. Well, every person except the chicks in the women's prison, apparently. Uh, for the record, I watched every episode of Orange is the New Black, and frankly, a woman's prison seems far scarier to me than a men's prison. Libby, surprised, yeah. I guess not surprised, so like what? <laughs> I've talked to I've talked to women who um, are out of prison, but who were in prison with men. I've talked to women who are currently serving time alongside men in the women's prisons, and these are real problems. Um, unfortunately, when you bring up something like this, why are there men in women's prisons? No one really cares because these women are already at the bottom of society. They're women. They are criminals. They, in many cases, are poor. They were already, in many cases, subject to domestic abuse and violence. Um, which led in a lot of cases to their arriving in prison in the first place. So one woman that I talked to who is currently serving time in the Central California Women's Correctional Facility um, has told me about when men come into the prisons there, they self-ID in, they are fully intact, uh, mm -hmm. they have not cut off their hot dogs, everything's still perfectly functioning, and the prisons will... Um, they will vacate an eight-woman cell in order to accommodate one man Jeez. who will then 
be housed in that cell. They are given roommates um, who are women, and they end up in many cases in sexual relationships with these women. It's not just abuse and rape, but it's also the entirely changing dynamic that happens when a man, a man enters a woman's space and there's rivalries and things like this. Um, this woman was also telling me about how a trans inmate um, impregnated a woman at the mm -hmm. prison and then beat her to the point where she miscarried because uh, this was not something that they wanted to have exposed. And the fetus was, uh, the miscarried fetus was buried in the prison yard. Um, yes. She's told me that guards are aware of this. People are aware of this, but no one really wants to talk about it. There are women who are advocating for these women who are in prison who are being doubly subjected. Uh, this is a cruel and unusual punishment in a lot of cases. There's a man in a California women's prison who is currently housed with the mother of the children that he um, murdered. So that's interesting as okay. well. That happens in many cases. There's cases in the UK where women who were raped are forced by judges to refer to their rapists as she because that rape is determined after the rape and while involved in the criminal justice system that actually he is female. And this is um, inflicted upon women. And I would like to say we have seen historically, and that's how we ended up with a Women's History Month in the first place, women are substantially more compliant than men. Women mm -hmm. are raised to be, uh, you know, a little kinder and more compassionate. It is easy to push women around. We all know We all know this. This is not a new phenomenon. And so when you have these feminist women who came up saying like, yay, women's power, and now the men are all like, hey, lady, like we're actually female. And like, oh, okay, okay, sure. We, we just want to be accepted and loved and cherished and cared for. And now you're telling us that you're actually female. We will just believe you because you say it and you're actually the big strong man. So, uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of weirdness going on here. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance among women who scream empowerment for women and are actually perfectly willing to subject themselves to, you know, the whims of these, in many cases, bigger men, bigger, yeah. stronger men. Yeah. James, to, to the point of the, of the stories that, that Libby just laid out, I mean, isn't Garland's response just exactly what we get out of this administration related to anything? Lindsey Graham's question was pretty good. He said, what is the policy? And Garland twice basically said, well, I, I kind of don't know the policy, but the policy is just case by case. In which it's case- It's self-ID. Right. So in which case you're just going to let through probably, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess something like 90% of these people who have a series of psychological problems on top of the physical differences and everything else, and they most likely committed a pretty heinous act in the first place to get them there, they're going to go right through. But this is exactly what this government has done with almost everything, right? Yeah, so let me give some historical color to that because this government has been tried before. It didn't work before, it won't work this time. Uh, there's a character in history because we have this redwashed education that I mentioned before that I go all over the country, as you know, I speak all over the country, I speak to audiences of hundreds of people at a time and I ask them a question very frequently from the stage. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Trofim Lysenko. That's a very famous name in history and if you haven't heard of it, it's a bit of a problem and virtually nobody raises their hand. At a 300 people, three or four or five will raise their hand in a typical audience even though I do this all over the place and people follow me and I talk about him a lot. What we're looking at is a phenomenon that was 
what, what is called Lysenkoism. Lysenkoism is when you have low, Lysenko was, I should say, a biologist and an agriculturalist under Stalin. He put out Soviet biology, Soviet agriculture, and he believed all kinds of crazy things about plants and genetics that are not true. And millions of people starved in Ukraine, millions of people starved in Russia, millions or Soviet Union more broadly, millions of people starved again in China when Mao Zedong picked this up and decided to use the Lysenkoist biology, even though it had killed so many in the Soviet Union. When you have an overriding of reality that's coming down unquestionably from a corrupt government, and here we're looking at the Attorney General of the United States, literally overriding basics of biology like male and female are fundamentally different. They are not the same thing. They are not transmutable. They are not fungible. When you have these, the communist-based or whatever-based ideology overriding reality as a matter of policy, what you are dealing with is Lysenkoism. Lysenkoism killed millions and millions mm -hmm. of people in the Soviet Union. And in China, it will kill millions of people in the United States. This is just one dynamic within that. It's it's leading to the, the rapes, the murders, the myriad problems in women's prisons. It's dealing with the same thing in women's sports and girls' locker rooms. Then we can, of course, connect that back to what it's doing to young girls. I, I just heard the other day that the primary demographic, of course, that's getting into the trans movement to gain social status and character or whatever they, they're, they're after is girls aged 10 to 14, which simultaneously, through some weird mystery, I'm thinking must be a mystery, is also the demographic that is increasing in suicide at the fastest rate at the same time. Um, what a what a crazy coincidence that is. But what we have is a rejection of reality for an ideological drive, which is called Lysenkoism. And until Americans understand that we're going through the same motions in different packaging, that places like the Soviet Union and places like the CCP, China under Mao Zedong already went, and that the consequences will be the same, until we understand that, and that ties back to Greta Thunberg also with environmental farming or whatever, where we're all going to eat lentils, nobody can have any meat, we can't have any energy, whatever. This is all the same thing. This is Lysenkoism brought back, and millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions of people will suffer, will be castrated, will be sterilized, will die, will be immiserated by these programs. And to see this from this government is just an echo of history. It's just history rhyming again. And people, I think, are too asleep at the wheel and too underinformed because of our redwashed education system to realize what we're doing. You had a great line in there, rejection of reality for ideological drive. I mean, that, that seems to capture it more than anything else. L let's just do one more story here, which is actually connected to that very notion. Uh, the January 6th tapes, Kevin McCarthy is going to release them, or in essence, he's given about 40,000 hours of the tapes, the security footage, et cetera, to Tucker Carlson. And I assume at the moment, Tucker Carlson's team is going through them. And uh, as I keep saying on this show, the truth is a time release pill. And I suspect we are gonna find out some more truth uh, over the next coming weeks as Tucker releases some of this stuff. Uh, but there was a really just telling moment on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, journalist Dana Milbank talking about how scary it is that we might actually get transparency from this government. They love trans, just not transparency. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is under fire for sharing about 44,000 hours of surveillance camera footage from January 6th with Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Other media organizations, including NBC News, have demanded access to the tapes as well. The speaker is more than just a political leader. They also oversee 
the day-to-day administration of the Capitol, including security. Is there something unprecedented about what McCarthy has done here, Dana? Yeah, I mean, day after day, it seems that he breaks uh, uh, precedent after precedent. Look, I understand why the other media are asking for the same thing. The truth is, this doesn't belong in the public domain for anybody. That's the line. This doesn't belong in the public domain. We are told that there was an insurrection, that the United States almost fell on that day, despite these people having no plans. Apparently, one guy had a Lego set. He didn't even bring it of the Capitol. AOC was freaking out. But we should not know about this stuff. I take it you're not surprised, Libby. They're better than us, and they know, right? (laughs) Yes, these are our superiors, and we must bow down before their superior judgment. Um, I, for one, I'm glad that there's going to be some transparency. I think that the people who went into the Capitol and the people who were around the Capitol and the journalists who were not credentialed but were documenting what was going on that day have been substantially ill-treated and ignored. And I think that that's really a shame, especially when you compare it to the sweetheart deals and, uh, you know, compassionate treatment that was given to the rioters in the summer of 2020. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. specifically of the ones in Portland uh, against whom I I believe so many charges were dropped, even though they were trying to set the federal buildings on fire uh, repeatedly, like like night after night for more than a hundred nights. I believe it was, I think it ended up being something like 120 nights that this went on. Yeah, and I'd like to see what was really going on. There's been a lot of talk about perhaps there were federal agents involved. Um, If the government can disprove that, then maybe they ought to. There's been talk about, um, and this is something that you've seen on Tucker Carlson as well, uh, Capitol Police officers opening doors and all of this kinds of stuff. What was really going on? What was the relationship there? What kind of encouragement were these people getting from law enforcement if that was happening? And uh, yeah, the way that they have used January 6th as a cudgel to beat anyone who disagrees with the leftist progressive narrative means that we get to see literally every second of footage because they're going to continue to use this against all of us who don't agree with the Biden administration for years. We're just seeing that, you know, they keep coming out with stuff about that Um, as they're starting to quiet down and their little commission had to get disbanded at the end of the last Congress. We haven't heard as much about it, but um, I do respect and appreciate McCarthy for giving over this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will give the devil his due here. I mean, McCarthy, if he wanted to do this, I suppose, in the most clean way, maybe he could have just released it all together, whatever that means, you know, just put it out there on the internet and let people go through it. Or he could have said, hey, I'm giving it to Tucker, but I'm also giving it to Anderson Cooper or something. So I I think there's a little degree of, by going to someone who obviously is partisan, I like Tucker, but like he he is what he is, obviously. I'll give them a little nudge on that, but that's not really what this is about, right, James? Because clearly they're gonna find some stuff in there, perhaps more videos of officers literally removing barriers and welcoming people in and things like that. And that's the last thing that the mainstream media wants to get out there, right? Well, I mean, before we can give more commentary, I think we all need to have a moment of silence for AOC. <laughs> Nobody has died this many times over this, this terrible event. And she keeps coming a- back like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, but we've got to hold out for that. We've got to have a vigil. I think we should go to the border and cry by a fence. Um, There are a lot of things we should be doing, but the fact of the matter is the way that they're framing this is actually, to me, hilarious because it's proof that much like January 6th itself, they don't have anything. Um, They're framing it that it threatens capital security. 
They this is this is the angle that they're going after. Oh, there might be another disaster. There might be a, a stochastic terrorist might show up. There might be some lone wolf. There might be another coordination for a real insurrection since the last one was obviously so fake um, that the friendly police officers asking people to stay between the ropes were able to contain it uh, entirely or whatever. But they don't have anything here. This thing is a fraud, and they know it's a fraud, and they they know that if people are able to see this. Whether and I do agree with you that it going to Tucker specifically does leave a, a gap in the story that mm-hmm. is a partisan, you know, uh, kind of ad hominem. But at any rate, it is what it is. They realize that when this goes to the public, people are going to see through the fraud. And this, I think, is one of the paralyzing fears of this regime or administration in general is that the fraud is a time bomb for them. It's only a matter of time until things start to come out. The truth has a way of worming its way out. And in this case, they are desperate to try to get a clamp back on this story because they know that it was never what they said it was. And that they've used it as such a damaging political political cudgel. They've used it as an excuse to jail political opponents. They've used it as an excuse to try to rewrite our laws around uh, to, to try to disenfranchise President Trump from being able to run again. They've used it in a, in a wide variety of completely communist ways, frankly, mm-hmm. and the fraud is going to get exposed as the truth comes out. So what they have to do is try to put a lid on it. And what is their favorite last ditch effort when they have to try? It's usually their first line of attack and their last line of attack when they have to try to get a lid on something. Well, of course, it's that it threatens safety in some way. This is going to threaten our safety. The Capitol, it, there, somehow this footage, like we haven't already seen lots of it, is somehow going to compromise secret entrances mm-hmm. to the Capitol or whatever. By the way, did anybody figure out who planted that bomb? Has that been done yet? Did no, they, no, we're not allowed to ask about that one. Sorry. I wonder if that's in the footage. Um, that would yeah, be that, great. So, th- I mean, we're, th- this is just proof that they don't have anything, and they know that they're likely to get exposed. I think it's extremely transparent. They're acting in a paranoid and anxious way. They're bringing up completely ridiculous things. We have Dana saying that it shouldn't be in the hands of anybody. So again, <laughs> we go back to the point, like you said, these are our betters. These are our, our our Gnostic overlords who know how to interpret everything like that footage to come out to insurrection, which everybody understands is fake. And we're all supposed to just accept their expert opinion, uh, not prom- promulgate you know, misinformation or disinformation like the tapes themselves. Uh, and that's, that's the, that's the, the the warp and the weft of this entire administration for all the same and, and reasons we're talking point, about. Yeah, to that point, so we've got one more clip for you. This is Eric Swalwell. Now, Eric Swalwell, we know had a relationship with the Chinese spy. McCarthy has said this multiple times, and you know it's true, because if it wasn't true, the mainstream media would be going after McCarthy, but they're not, so it is true. He has talked to people at the FBI. He said it on my show a year and a half ago, but he's repeatedly said it since he's been House leader. But anyway, Eric Swalwell, Democrat congressman from California, here he is freaking out over the release of the tapes, and it's fairly obvious, because it's just what you just said, James, he knows there's something there. Well, we're seeing uh, week by week that now Kevin McCarthy has to pay a new installment on that corrupt bargain, right? So last week, uh, the installment was to give Tucker Carlson uh, unfettered access to police footage, sensitive police footage of the Capitol on January 6th. You know, there's no good ending to that. Uh, it's, it's either going to be used to distort what happened on January 6th uh, by Tucker Carlson, or you just gave the proudest boy of all a blueprint Uh, for the Capitol uh, that, you know, perhaps who knows where that will land, you know, for the next insurrection that could be planned. 
All right, I, I really despise this guy. I mean, I, I, I at this point hate a lot of people in government, but this guy, I mean, the implication, he calls him the proudest boy of all, somehow that Tucker Carlson is either a white supremacist or something like that. You know, the other piece on the Tucker part of this is that I, I feel like I can say this fairly honestly. I know Tucker well enough that if they go through all 40,000 hours and there's nothing there, that's exactly what he would say. I don't think he's sitting there to, to edit this in a weird way. I really, really do not. Uh, but Libby, that, that's what this is all about, right? Like Swalwell knows this is just gonna be another one of those things where we're allowed to tell you the truth basically a year or two later, right? Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that that keeps happening. We saw that, uh, I think we're gonna see that with the January 6th footage. We saw that with the lab leak, how many people lost their jobs and their Twitter accounts and all of their friends and everything for yep. declaring that COVID came out of a lab in Wuhan and now the FBI and the energy department, hmm, I think maybe, perhaps it came out of a lab, perhaps it was leaked from a lab. Uh, we've seen that so many times, the thing about masks, whether or not masks work, you know, the two weeks to stop the spread, lockdowns, all of these things, the conspiracy theorists keep being right, you know, conspiracy theorist is actually another word for way ahead of the curve. Um, and it's a shame what's been done to our mainstream media. I lament the loss of you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post and all of these outlets that have these big departments full of resources to go do the digging. And because of their ideological perspective, they're just not willing to do it. It's a it's a shame. I think that it makes sense that Tucker was the one to get the footage because I think that his team is probably pretty honest and straightforward. And like you said, they're going to dig into it. If they find something, they'll say if they don't find something, they'll say that as well. I don't and, and think by the MSNBC way. would be even remotely as um you know, considerate in that regard. Right, and, and the bigger problem would be even if he gave one to, you know, one set of it to Tucker and one set to someone at MSNBC, we're all so divided at this point that they'll show you the exact same thing and, and analyze it in a completely mm. different way. So maybe it's a moot point. James, I know you like phrases. You're a man of history. You like phrases that succinctly say things. So, you know, my line on this has been that truth is a time release pill. But I, for now on, I think I'm gonna call this time truth disorder. What do you think about that? Time truth disorder. I like that, actually. That's what it is. It really is. I, I mean, a friend of mine, um, Wade Miller, calls calls conspiracy theories future facts. And I kind of <laughs> like that as well. Um, yeah. But speaking of, you know, conspiracy theories and uh, being unable to look at Eric Swalwell's face, I happen to notice the CIA emblem over his shoulder and kind of fixated on that while he's sitting there talking. But the the, the point I really want to draw out from that clip was that comment you regarded or that you brought up where he he regarded Tucker Carlson as the proudest boy of them all. And so this is that appeal to the proud boy. So I'm going to going to do a callback to something I mentioned earlier, which is that book, Beautiful Trouble, which is available online for free. I think anybody who wants to understand leftist activism needs to go read it. You're not a serious player in what's happening. If you haven't looked at Beautiful Trouble, another one of their core principles is your target's reaction is your real action. Mm -hmm. So by provoking society through the things that happened in 2020, through the things that have happened since, through the drag queens, they get this organization to come into formation called the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys show up to things. They act in a, you know, quietly or modestly or sometimes not intimidating manner. They're an anti-Antifa, if you will, an opposite of, a dialectical opposite of Antifa. And they have become that as a reaction to the provocations of BLM, Antifa, et cetera, that have been happening, Drag Queen Story Hour that have been happening throughout the country. Those are provocations. They're strategic provocations. This is unconventional warfare. And they have generated that reaction and listen to what they do with it. It comes up 
every single time. So when you react badly, when you act, react the way that they want you to react, they are weaponizing you for their narratives, for the different tools that they're going to use, for the justification to, you know, have to shut things down or control speech or control thought or control whatever. Um, so Proud Boys became an emblem in that it's the reaction. And you can actually say, if you understand the principle in Beautiful Trouble, that that reaction was exactly the thing that they needed, just like the event in J6 was exactly the thing that they needed, even though it wasn't because it didn't pan out the way that they could have really mm -hmm. used it to drive a narrative that something's happening in this country that's the opposite of what's really happening. There was an insurrection on January 6th. I know there was an insurrection on November 3rd or whatever it was hmm. previously. You know, So they cover up their own insurrection with the fake insurrection. They cover up the fact of Antifa violence with and drag queen story hour provocations, drag queen performances for children and now babies apparently everywhere with, well, the Proud Boys are violent and we have to resist this anti-LGBTQ hate, blah, 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 blah. And so that understanding that they are provoking reactions and using reactions, that's what Greta does. She provokes a reaction, she fake gets arrested, puts it on a camera. Understanding that this is a fundamental objective, a fundamental tool of their activism that keeps moving the ball for them, allows us to figure out ways to short circuit that and sidestep it. So I really just wanna draw your attention to the fact that he said, proudest boy of them all, to loop Tucker Carlson into that narrative arc that they're using with so much productivity on your kind of average, not paying attention, scared leftist, suburban wine mom or whatever that's paying attention to these these mental asylums called CNN and MSNBC and so on. James, I don't think I can top that as a closing to the show. So I wanna thank you, James, you Libby, you guys are awesome as always. I am going to uh, re-ice this thing and put a teething toy on my eye and hopefully make it through the weekend. I thank you guys. I thank everybody for watching. And actually, there's no post-game show today because I'm actually in New York right now because I did Gutfeld last night. But I will be on Dan Bongino's Unfiltered Saturday night on Fox. And hopefully I survive New York City and make it back. Thanks, everybody. And see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.